How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hi, it's David Locke, host of Locked on NBA. This is the Jonathan Gavoni podcast that somehow the audio got screwed up along the way. So uh, I want to get that fixed. It's This is the corrected audio. So if you turned it off because of that, we fixed it. And uh, hopefully a lot of people already listened to it. So hope, thank you for fighting through it. Or So now you're good to go. Uh, the show was brought to you by SeatGeek, uh, our title sponsor. Uh, they promo code LOCKED. And they will give you a $20 rebate and from Away Travel, who uh, has this really cool travel bags that I'm, that I'm enjoying. And Away Travel uh, is our other sponsor to the show. So we'll get those in there. Uh, but you know what? You're rolling. Hope you enjoy this. And here is Jonathan. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Jonathan Giovanni joining us, Draft Express, brilliant work. And uh, what, J- Jonathan, you have to share where you are and where you're heading right now. I'm in uh, Brooklyn right now. Just left my house, uh, headed to JFK, getting on the plane to cover the Adidas Euro Camp in Treviso, Italy. Be our 14th year in a row covering it. It's one of the best events of the year, so I'm very excited about that. So. In the intro, I talked about Draft Express, uh, the great work that you and and, and uh, the crew put together, uh, particularly Mike Schmitz, who's also joined us on Lockdown NBA in the past. Uh, just amazing work uh, and, and is the mecca. And I got to tell you, Jonathan, we've done this conversation, I think, every year for longer than we probably want to remember, right? In some years past, we've I think we it's been like a a discussion. I have opinions. This year, I'm just going to have to take information from you. You know, I, the, the Jazz mixed in the playoffs for me this year. I'm not nearly as knowledgeable about the draft as I once was. Well, that's a good thing for you and for Jazz fans. You get to focus on points you love, which is, uh, you know, the NBA, your team. So that's a great thing. All right, let's start at the top. Um, kind of the, I always do this. I think I've asked you the same questions every year. If you take the top Five guys, two of them generally turn into be all-stars or all-NBA. That's kind of the math on it. Who are your two most likely all-stars, all-pro guys in this draft? I would say the top the guys that are at one and two on my board, Markel Fultz, Alonzo Ball. Give me a breakdown on how quickly Fultz is able to step in and what makes him an all-star one day. I think it's going to be a little bit different for him just because he's headed to a team that's competing for a championship, in all likelihood, he's going to be the number one pick, and so that's uh, that's an unusual situation uh, that a guy that young, um, just turned 19 years old, is you know playing these kind of minutes on a team that's really competitive, that's not just tanking every game and, and looking to you know just develop their young guys, and you know the results really aren't as important as the process of, you know, getting guys better and all that. So in learning through mistakes, he's not going to have that as much. So I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think that's going to really help him out in the long term, but it's going to cause for, 
you know, he's maybe not going to have rookie of the year caliber numbers right off the bat, even though I think in, in any other team almost he would be a rookie of the year candidate. So uh, I, I think it's going to be a transition. And uh, probably Lonzo, um, you know, if he goes to the Lakers, like a lot of people expect, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure to play him, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game. And, and that'll give him an opportunity to put up I mean, maybe not great scoring numbers, but every but great numbers in every other category: uh, assists, rebounds for a guard, steals, um, and you know. So we'll see how the transition to the NBA three-point line goes for him. I mean, he did make a ton of really deep threes this year, but uh, I mean, he's going to be better scouted, better guarded, and you know, bigger, longer, more athletic, stronger guys in the NBA. So that's going to be a transition for him. And he's got some physical development that he's going to have to do, but um, I, I think uh, I think he's going to be terrific uh, long term. Uh, Mike did a piece at Draft Express comparing him to Jason Kidd. That what is your thoughts on that comp? Well, it wasn't necess- it wasn't necessarily he is Jason Kidd, which a lot of it's hard for people to get past the headline, and you know there are very few people in this world who. Um, you know, are, are actually going to read what he wrote. <laughs> it's just the nature of the internet today. People don't read anything. You know, they just, they, you know, they process everything in 140 characters or less. And so it's not really what, what he said in the piece. I mean, he, he, he broke down how they're, how they're, um, similar and how they're different. And he went through a lot of old footage of Jason Kidd at the same age when he was at Cal. And, and, and looked at, you know, just studying, like, the evolution of the game, how the point guard position has changed, um, you know, kind of talking about what Jason Kidd might have been like in this era today and, you know, how that reflects on Lonzo and just the role he played at UCLA and the pace that they played at. So it was, it was uh, I, I recommend people reading, um, listening to this to, to go and, and read it. And um, there's a lot of, it's just really interesting to just to watch, all, especially that old footage. It's amazing. You know, Mike was able to dig that up. Um, and I, I think that there are definitely some, you know, some striking similarities between the two, just in terms of their feel for the game, their passing ability, the way that they're passed first and like to get others involved and, and, and are always just looking to move the ball ahead, which is just a very unique trait, um, especially in today's NBA and how they're not really reliant on the pick and roll um, in terms of generating offense. They can do things in, in other ways too. Um, but I mean, there's obviously a lot of differences too. Uh, Jason Kidd was, just stronger, uh, more explosive, um, just a bull lived in, in the paint, lived at the free throw line, and and one of you know one of the best defenders that we've seen you know in the last 20, 20 30 years you know so um, Lonzo isn't isn't that but there are some areas that Lonzo is is ahead of kid at the same age so it's gonna be really interesting to see how you know how that plays out how it evolves it's, it's hard to make. You know, Mike talked about this in the piece. It's hard to make comparisons between different eras, and people just get stuck on this. You know, like Lonzo Ball is Jason Kidd, and that's wrong. It's a wrong way of thinking. It's not the way NBA people think. Not the way people they talk, and it's counterproductive. But I think that it's interesting to make a comparison and to stack them up head to head and say, how are they different? 
are they similar? How would their style of play? You know, their their stats, analytics, all that stuff. When I watch Lonzo Ball, I'm nervous about that shot in a sped up game. I got he's figured it out. I got it goes in now. What happens when it becomes faster and all that movement has to be done faster? Do you buy that concern? And is that a concern amongst the league? Well, UCLA played at a very fast pace, and they were looking to get shots up in the first ten seconds. Uh, I, don't, I, offense, I think I just um, more often. Jonathan, I think I mean shooting window. I think I mean athletes coming at you, shooting window closing, not not necessarily piece of play. Sorry, I didn't phrase that very well. I mean that the closeouts a split second faster. The defense is there a little bit quicker uh, than it is in college, and so that it's harder to get that shooting window off. Yeah, there's going to be an adjustment for for him to make, but it, it's not a slow release the way the way that he shoots it, and um, you know, and I think he. The, the brilliance of Lonzo Ball is that he really knows his limitations, and he knows what are you know what are shots that he can make, what are shots he can't, and that's why he was such an efficient player. That's why he shot such a high percentage for three, um, why was it, um, and why UCLA was you know arguably the best offense in college basketball. When player the there was a, this period of time where we worried about positions that seems to be phasing out. The only thing I think we still now worried about when you start looking at, you know, our 6-4 with a 6-9 wingspan on full, 6-6 with a 6-7 wingspan on ball, is undersized guys. Uh, I know Isaiah's really, Thomas and Boston, some people buying that again. Are there guys in this draft that are really, really skilled, but they lack the wingspan, they lack the length that has become so vital defensively in this game right now? Um, I think there are. I mean, I don't. I don't have the draft list right in front of me at this very second, and I'm not the kind of guy that just kind of spits. Hot. I don't have it in my brain memorized. So, um, if you want to talk about specific guys who can, but I don't. I don't have it one through six to be able to tell you every single guy. That's, is there um, is there a worry on Dennis? Is there a worry on Dennis Smith at six three wingspan? Is that a worry? Luke Kennard with a six five wingspan rather mm-hmm. at six six. Any how concerning on those two guys? That's. I mean, there's definitely concerns, and neither guy was a very good defender in college, and they're definitely going to have to get significantly better in that aspect. I mean, Dennis Smith has, you know, is so quick, and he's got such great instincts for getting in the passing lane, and he's really strong that that's that's going to help him. But um, he's an indifferent defender, and the lack of length definitely doesn't help in that regard. And I think you could say some of the same things about Kennard. He was definitely an indifferent defender. Uh, at, at, uh, very often for Duke, and so that's something that he's going to have to get a lot better at. And that's that's one of the reasons why a lot of people think that Kennard's best position in the NBA might be a point guard because he he has good length for an NBA point guard, um, but he doesn't. You know, when you start talking about a shooting guard position. Interesting, interesting. Draft Express is the site. Jonathan's crew does amazing work, and it's got a versatility to it, everybody. If you're listening to this, that that you want. I mean, everything from Basketball U19 training camp article on it as we do this conversation today, which is the next generation, to workout interviews, pro day stuff, to strength and weakness video breakdowns. Cameron Oliver's one you guys just put up. I think Ryan Tom. Thompson did it just two days ago. He's, his strengths are pretty interesting uh, and make you and really kind of wonder about him as a, as a prospect. So it's just make sure you check out the site, Draft Express. It's got just the versatility, the depth to it is overwhelmingly awesome. If you're into this, it will make you smarter and uh, better. Before we get back with Jonathan, let me tell you about a new travel company, First Class Luggage at a Coach Price. It's Away Travel. 
They are created by a bunch of guys out of New York. They're sitting at a layover. Their phone batteries have run out. And they're like, wait a sec, we can do better stuff with this. And so now they have created these carry-on bags, both sizes, one for regular, one for the big ones, that have chargers in it. So I'm literally sitting there in an airport, and I plug in my phone, and I can get a charge up to five full charges on this. Plus, inside it, you open up a little zip and a little baggie comes out, put all my dirty laundry in it. It just has every detail. It's really done well. It's awaytravel.com. And for Father's Day, they've got a deal for you. It's awaytravel.com slash Father's Day. And if you use the promo code LONBA, you get $20 off any carry on purchase. They have the two sizes I mentioned. Plus, they give you a free Harry's Shave Kit. That's, come on, guys, deal. It's got to be, right? It's sh- signature blades with their deluxe Winston handle, along with a travel cover and moisturizing shaving cream. And a stories collection book that they've put together to signify kind of the value of dads, personal stories that map out all the ways dads and fathers affect our lives. It's really cool. It is a way travel, lifetime warranty if anything breaks, 100-day trial so you can live with it, vibe with it, Instagram it, just enjoy it, and free shipping. I've enjoyed my away travel bag a great deal. Check it out, awaytravel.com slash Father's Day, promo code L-O-N-B-A. Let's go through the top ten again and ask the flip side of the question I asked before. Traditionally, there's a Derek Williams. I don't know if Emmanuel Moutier is going to get into that conversation. There's a Nick Stauskas. We'll see if he can recover. But there are guys in the top ten every year that it just doesn't translate. Who are you most worried about that are floating around the top 10 of this draft that their game may not translate to the NBA? I mean, the reason why some guys don't pan out isn't necessarily because they weren't great prospects in the draft. It's, it's, it, a lot of it comes down to where they end up, where they get picked, and you know, lack of development from there. There are, there, are, there are definitely organizations in the NBA that do a better job than others of developing players, and so before we actually know who's going to get picked by who, it's, it's going to be kind of hard to peg that. because And there's also the other side of, of the coin where there are guys who not, aren't necessarily great prospects, but they can really set a role and they can come in early and get, and get you know, the, the, the playing time and, you know, the, the experience and, and the development in a great system and a great culture with great coaching. And that's going to help them, you know, reach 120% of their potential. And so, that's what's so fascinating about the draft. You know, a lot of times you see a guy that doesn't pan out and you wonder, okay, did we, did we get that guy wrong or did he just go to the wrong team? You know, was he just stuck behind two really good players at his position and then he lost his confidence and then four years down the line, you know, he's, he's pretty practically out of the league and some of those guys are able to rebuild themselves, but it's, it's very hard to. I mean, once you kind of miss that first wave, it's hard to get back in. It really is. You, you, it's, uh, there's some really, really talented players, as we know, that are on the ends of NBA benches, and all they really need is, you know, uh, a lucky, uh, a stroke of luck, a guy in front of them gets hurt, or a trade happens, or whatever, and then bam, they're playing, and then they establish themselves, and then, you know, they're off to the races. They're, you know, they're 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 ten-year NBA players after that. So, it's um, it's uh, it's it's hard. There's a reason why the guys in the top ten are in the top ten. It's not because it's hard to say that any of them are bad prospects. 
The big man in the NBA is so fascinating right now. I mean, whether it's the regular season watching someone like Joe Johnson, who was an all-star shooting guard, now play power forward, or whether it's the playoffs where last night LeBron and Draymond Green were your centers, and frankly, Ryan Anderson and Kawhi Leonard, I think, were centers at some point in the Houston-San Antonio series. We can go on and on. And in the middle of your mock draft, and so we'll just use that, there are all these seven-footer, six-eleven guys Zach Collins out of Gonzaga, John Collins out of Wake Forest, OG out of Indiana. I avoided mispronouncing the last name. Jared Allen's another seven footer out of Texas or six level. Justice Patton, seven footer out of of Creighton, and then there's Harry Giles is really interesting at six eleven. Of that crew, I mean that's five, six guys with incredible length and size. How many of them fit kind of the modern, versatile, switch one through five, um, play in, play out type bigs that the NBA now seems to be asking for? Very few of them, and that's and that's a big problem, and that's a major issue that we're going to run into on draft night. And that I talked about this today a little bit in the piece I wrote about the green room invites. The NBA invited 10 guys, and now they're trying to figure out who's the next, who are the next 10 guys that they should invite to the NBA draft who will be sitting there in the green room with their families and get the shake out of Silver's hand. And, you know, they're trying to avoid what happened last year where, you know, Deontay Davis was waiting until the second round, Scala BCA um, went late first, DeJounte Murray went late first. These guys were all in the green room. And so I, I counted something like 18 big men in the 15 through 40 range. And some of them are guys like T.J. Leaf, who's a stretch four, Tyler Lydon, who's a stretch four. I mean, there's obviously a place in the NBA for those guys. Um, I mean, NBA teams, you can argue, can't get enough of those guys. But a lot of them are, you know, they're centers who have different limitations. Some of them have no shooting range. Some of them don't block shots. Some of them are average defensive rebounders. Some of them can't switch on the pick and roll. Um, you know, some of them are injury prone. And so... There's um, there's a lot of issues there, and you know I don't know that the NBA GMs have completely moved. Away. I don't know if they've completely embraced what we're seeing in the playoffs, and they're they're going to draft exactly that way. I I'm just not hearing it from teams, but I'm very skeptical. And there's a, if you look at the 30s of my board, it's pretty much like all centers, which is. I'm just like, okay, I guess we'll play some here. These are guys that were thousand <laughs> Americans. They're obviously really talented. They all have their own kind of something going for them, but there just isn't enough room for all these big guys. And I, I agree with the premise of your question. And a lot of teams tell me, well, okay, well, that's where the value in this draft is. It's at the big man spot, you know, but I don't, I don't, there's just the problem is that there's just not enough guards, wings, and combo forwards to go around. All of the guys that are projected second round that are in that bowl, they're, are extremely flawed players, and that's um, you know you don't want to take a, a super flawed guy in the first round just because you know you're looking to plug a hole. Let me run through each of those guys and get a quick take from you on each of them because I think this is really fascinating, and I think to your point, and you've just laid out why this is where the draft could get funky. I think somebody this is where we're going to look back and be like, wow, he slipped, and then actually we'll find out later whether he actually slipped or whether the GMs evaluated it correctly. So let's run through these guys quickly because I think they are going to be the story of the middle of the draft. Zach Collins, give me a quick take on the Gonzaga seven-footer. Well, in theory, he's perfect because he blocks shots, he makes threes, and he rebounded at a very high rate. 
He's extremely athletic. He was ridiculously productive. He was like a top five player in PER as a college freshman. He was outstanding in the Final Four. I mean, on the biggest stage, he played his best basketball. Really helped Gonzaga make the national championship game. I mean, you could argue that the main, the reason that they lost to North Carolina in the final was because he was struggling with foul trouble. I mean, a lot of those fouls were ticky-tack and were probably nonsense. Um, you know, it's just a happy, the refs were just calling way too many fouls in that game. And so, in theory, he's a perfect guy, but then, there, you know, you wonder why, you know, when you watch them kind of growing up as a, as a sophomore and junior and senior in high school, they were, you know, he he was definitely a late bloomer, you know? So, I mean, he was a very late add to the McDonald's game. He's probably the last player added. And then, you know, there, he was never really projected as a guy that was going to be a top 10 draft pick, you know, as a freshman. So there are some concerns there about, you know, does he have the, the mental toughness to, to, to make it in the NBA? He's a guy that, you know, commits a foul and then hangs his head and then you know, misses with one or two shots. And then, you know, his night is almost over at that point, you know, and then, yeah, it's 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 a tough game. I mean, you'll get you'll get eaten alive, you know, if that if that doesn't improve. Um, so, I mean, the que- the question is, you know, is he is it because he's young, or is it you know is it more than that? And so, uh, he's really a fascinating guy to me. I re- I really wonder. I mean, I err on the side of um, probably trending more towards some of those other big guys, but. Um, I know there's, he has a lot of fans in NBA circles. Uh, just to expedite the process, because I have other questions, and I know – well, I, I don't know. You're in New York traffic. I might have all day if I want it. Uh, of John Collins of OG uh, – how do I pronounce the last name correctly? Ananobi. Ananobi of uh, Jared Allen of Justice Patton of Harry Giles. Which of those – which do you like the most? Who, who's on the top? Who gets the, the Jonathan – you know, thumbs up or, or I like on Facebook out of you. Well, Ananobi is not, he's not a big man to me. I mean, he really, the, the, the moment that he kind of broke through as an NBA prospect was last year as a freshman in the NCAA tournament when Indiana beat Kentucky and he absolutely shut down Jamal Murray. I mean, he is a guy who um, can theoretically guard all five positions because he's tall. He's, he's, Super long. He's got a great frame. Uh, he can make threes not consistently, but he's made threes throughout his career. And you know he's got almost like that Kawhi Leonard type body. So I mean he's he's a dream, and not I mean, he's a dream prospect in that regard. I mean unfortunately he tore his ACL, and you know um, very early on in the season, and he wasn't having like a super duper year up until that point, you know and. He's another guy who was, he was not even ranked in high school, and he wasn't even playing to start his freshman season. He just kind of really came on late, and he was a very late bloomer. And um, I think he's super intriguing. And, I, I mean, I, to me, he definitely has a lot of value in the lottery. I'm very, very high on him. As long as the knee checks out, uh, I think um, he's going to – I mean, he's exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about positionless basketball in the NBA. Who are the best shooters – in this draft, probably Laurie Markinen and Luke Kennard. How good is Markinen? Really good. I mean, seven feet tall, broke pretty much every record for you know big men shooting in, the, in in college basketball, and did it as a freshman. Did it as a freshman coming from Finland. You know, never really having played against Americans. I mean, usually there's a transition for Europeans that they need to make. The playing against the speed, you know, the American athletes were like really. I mean, it was 
nothing for him. I mean, he's day one. He was he was awesome. So, and the sky is the limit for that guy. I mean, just you know, we're talking about a guy who's tall enough to play center, uh, but is has great feet and did a lot of you know showed very impressive things as uh, on the perimeter defensively, switching out to guys and. Um, you know, really got better as the year moved on. He was a little bit one-dimensional to start, but just he's such a versatile guy. You can bring him off screens. You can tack closeouts. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he, he's got amazing fundamentals, and um, he's uh, just a worker. I mean, the guy lives in the gym. So I, I think he's another guy that – I mean, he's, he's going to be a top-ten pick for a reason. Um, so it, it speaks for itself what he does. He might go as high as – you know, six. So he's a really talented player. Both those guys you mentioned, likely top 15, maybe even higher in the case, if it, depending where Kennard goes. Who are the post top 15 best shooters in the draft? Maybe Tyler Lydon. I would probably put him in that, in that mix. Um, there's not a ton of great shooters in that bottom half of the first round. I mean, I don't have my board in front of me, so I might be missing a really obvious name here. I doubt it. You're you're pretty solid on this stuff, so I'd be surprised if you're missing somebody. Well, Jonathan takes a look at that. Let me remind you of our title sponsor, SeatGeek. Been so good to us throughout. SeatGeek is the number one place for you to go get a ticket to any event. You can do it right on your phone. It's so easy. Download the SeatGeek app. And when you download the SeatGeek app, then what you'll see is whatever the event is you want to go to, they compile all of the tickets and tell you the prices. So, for example... If you really want to go see U2, I'm a huge U2 fan. Where can I go see U2? If I want to go see them in Philadelphia right now, it's going to, they're the, the Lumineers. It's from $237. I don't know anything about that, but it does. They give me a ticket score on every single ticket in this building so I can tell where the best place to see them is. You know what? They're, it's not that expensive in Louisville. Maybe I'm flying to Louisville to go see U2 or in Toronto at the Rogers Center. And it gives me a ticket score because I don't know anything about the Rogers Center. And I've got GA floor tickets for 170 bucks. That's awesome. So I get, go hit that, and now I purchase it. It's on my phone. It's secure, and it's guaranteed. So number one, they compile all the tickets from everyone in one spot. Two, they give it a ticket score so I know what the best tickets are. And three, they secure it on the phone. Now, the best part is if you download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, enter in the promo code LOCKED, and you get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. That is from SeatGeek, the number one place to get tickets, promo code LOCKED. While you're looking up the best shooters, there are times where just athletes overwhelm. You, you just can't draft anything quite like an athlete. So who would who are these – who are just the – and out, maybe we're outside the top ten again here. Who are the guys that just athletically it's, it's a wow factor? It's like, all right, if he figures anything else out, this is a real wow factor. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, that's the one that you need to start the conversation with. Um, Dennis Smith, um, Donovan Mitchell, tremendous athlete. Ike Anabogu, that's a guy that's interesting because I think he might be the youngest player in the draft. Uh, numbers probably aren't going to wow you, but just a freak, 6'10", like seven six wingspan, uh, great frame, huge hands, uh, a tremendous offensive rebounder, shot blocker, finisher. Just you know, raw and unpolished, but um, you know has a lot of 
the characteristics you look for in, from a center in, in today's NBA. The I don't know. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember the name Gordy Chiesa. It was an assistant coach in college, and then with the Jazz for a long time. And he used to. And he has. This, I can't do Gordy, but he has a very unique speech pattern. And he used to just always kind of say to me, "David, playing hard is the most important skill." So, who plays the hardest in this draft? I would say Josh Jackson. That guy is an unbelievable competitor. Just brings it every single night. I mean, he really willed them to a lot of wins and very, very difficult places this year just by being the toughest guy on the floor. I mean, Kansas went and won at Rupp Arena. Uh, a lot of it was because of, you know, Josh Jackson's toughness. Obviously, Frank Mason played a big role in that, too. Um, they went and won at West Virginia, which almost nobody did this year. Um, he, he's a guy, I mean, drawing some comparisons to Andre Iguodala because he's not a big-time scorer, but he's just incredibly versatile. He's a tremendous defender. He's a tremendous passer. And he's, you know, he's a Swiss Army knife. He just, he just does a little bit of everything. And just, you know, the question is, how high do you draft a guy like that? I mean, we have him being drafted three, which is super high in this draft. Uh, and, you know, if you're Philly, who we haven't getting picked by, you could probably afford to do that because you have Joel Embiid, who you know is a superstar. Uh, you know, you have Ben Simmons, who you hope is a superstar. You, you have no clue. I'm skeptical. And then, you know, you're going to bring some pieces around him, you know. So that's um, that could be a really good fit for Josh Jackson. Anybody else you'd add to that list on really hard guys who play really hard? Donovan Mitchell is someone that, uh, is really attracting people with his motor, with his toughness. When I mean, he played on the Rick Pitino, I mean, you, you, you can't be soft and play under Pitino. And he's got that, he got a 6'10 wingspan, so you can, you know, he can guard ones, twos, threes, tremendous frame. And he tested as the best athlete in almost every single category at the combine. And it's not, it's not one of those, you know, things where he's just an athlete on paper. He really brings it in a game, too. And so, I mean, he's been a, he's been a riser in his draft process just because people fall in love with you know, his measurements, with his athleticism, and also his character. I mean, he's arguably the best interview in this draft. And um, the companies that one of the companies that does the psych testing says that I mean, he might have the best psych profile in the draft too. I mean, it's just like he's got. And then I mean, his defense obviously speaks for itself. He made a huge jump from his freshman to his sophomore year, and so he, he had the production too. And Louisville was a great team, and without a lot of pieces around him. So um, uh, he's a guy that has really risen in this draft. You, you know, he might get picked as high as eight. I mean, probably doesn't slip past 16 at the worst, but probably closer to that eight range. But, um, yeah, he's um, he's he's an impressive guy. And he really, another guy that really fits, you know, that, that mold of NBA players now in that, you know, that Norman Powell, Victor Oladipo mold. Interesting. Uh, did you pull up any more shooters? Yes. So Justin Jackson, we should probably talk about him. I mean, he made a billion threes uh, this year. Um, really improved in that regard. Um, yeah, Terrence Ferguson to me is a very streaky guy. He's a has a potential to be a good shooter, but I wouldn't say he is that right now. Shemi Ojale is an interesting guy. He was one of the best shooters in college basketball this year by the numbers, and he's got a very unique physical profile. He's uh, Six seven, two hundred and forty pounds, five percent, five and a half percent body fat, and he 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 has that Jay Crowder potential where you can see him guarding, 
you know, on the wing, but he's also big and strong enough to guard centers too. And also he, he made a lot of threes. He's got really nice form and another guy that, you know, incredible intangibles, um, you know, great backstory, great family, tremendous interview, um, a worker. Uh, so he's another guy that's really intriguing a lot of people. And, you know, I could see him getting picked by someone in the twenties. It's interesting. I would say then the pictures on your site, I mean, he and I are really similar in that we have the same muscles. His are just all visible and defined. Right. And, and, and I have the same problem. <laughs> and mine are all hidden. All right. Wrapping up. <laughs> um, local question. The majority of my audience still is Utah related. So let's give them a local touch. Your feelings on Frank Jackson and how his draft experience goes and how he looks as a player. I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, he, he had that one good half at the combine, decided to stop that, and then, you know, suffered a foot injury and is, you know, going to be out for, you know, an, an indefinite period. And so no workouts for him. And, um, and that's tough because he's, um, he really needed to have good workouts. He didn't, he didn't have a great freshman year. And some people were surprised that he decided to stay in the draft, but, you know, he felt good off that, you know, that, first half of that first game at the combine. And so he went off that. And, uh, I mean, he could, he could be a steal for someone in the second round, but I mean, the, the first round is very crowded. I mean, he might have a chance in, in somewhere in the end, the end there at the twenties, but I can see, I see him more in somewhere in the thirties right now. All right. Who are the players that won't get the big coverage during draft night that they'll get drafted in the, Oh, it's nice that you'll, that you would say to their team that that's really good. Who, who's we're out of the top you know, three, four guys, but who are the next tier guys that to you, maybe one of the tens and the twenties and maybe even a second round guy or two that you, you really feel good about that you, that you think someone's going to be really pleased they pick up. Um, I mean, I like, you know, we talked about Ojale. I like him. Um, I think he's going to, I mean, it all depends on fit. Like we talked about, I mean, like if you go to a team and you're the fourth string power forward, I mean, that's, hard to say, wow, that guy's going to kill it, you know, <laughs> it's going to be an uphill battle for that guy, so um, I like, like I said, I, was, I, I like Ojale, I mean, Donovan Mitchell has really, really grown on me throughout this process, um, and Inobi, I mean, if he, if he heals properly with the knee, I, mean, I think he's going to be a very interesting player, um, I love Justin Jackson as a role player, um, who you know, just like we, like we said, it's hard to find wings. He's six eight. He can already shoot it. He's got a great feel. He's put on the floor a little bit, pass the ball, competes on defense. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with uh, Anabogu from UCLA. Um, as we talked about earlier, I mean, he's he's interesting just with his physical tools and his motor and just his shot blocking, rebounding. Um, Jonathan Jean intrigues me. He's a Seven, two Frenchman who seven seven wingspan. I mean, Utah fans, it might sound familiar to them. I mean, he's really young. He's really skinny. He's really unpolished. Really inexperienced, but um, he's got a feel, you know. And he's something intriguing about him. He went to the NBA Combine. You thought he's exactly the kind of guy that would fall flat on his face, and he didn't. I mean, he was one of the best performers there, even though he had no experience. I mean. No strength, probably weighs 200 pounds of wet, and he just really got it done. So he's going to be a project for someone, but he's intriguing. I mean, it's hard to find guys with that kind of length and reach and mobility, and he's also has some skill, too. So 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Utah take a take a look at him with one of their first round picks. Um, and then you're asking about people in the second round. Um, let me point out Derek something. White and yeah, let me point out one thing. Ahead. I just want to give a tip of the hat to your site. On, on, I was reading about Jonathan Jen the other day, trying to figure out who he is. You have a post that you wrote about him in August of 2015. Like, this is the level oh, that's, of drafting. That's like late. There are some guys. Go to, like, Harry Giles' profile or one of those guys. 2015, I felt like I was asleep at the wheel. I was only my first thing on him from three years ago. Well, you know? that's the level of Draft Express. That's what makes the site so great. So, sorry, go ahead about the second round guys that, that you really like. Uh, you know, so yeah, Derek White. I mean, I, I'm picking guys that are versatile, that can play different positions, that can shoot and have a feel. I mean, that's, that's really what you're looking for in today's NBA. Um, Sterling Brown is, is like that to an extent. Regard. Uh, he's Ojale's teammate at SMU. Um, he's um, you know six eight, six nine and a half wingspan, really strong frame, can guard anywhere from two through four with a terrific three point shooter this year. Um, he's going to go in the second round. I like Frank Mason. You know, national player of the year with productive. Uh, he's small, like you said. It's not invoked to take small guys, and he's tough when he makes shots. Uh, he guards so. Um, you know, a guy like that in the second round, you, you can't go wrong. You got a flyer on him. So those are a couple of the guys that, that I like. I mean, there's more. This is a great draft. It's been really fun to cover it. Last year, I felt like in May, I was already ready for the draft to come and be over because it was just such a, such a weak group and it was such a vanilla group and the personalities weren't. This draft has character, you know, like these guys are fun to watch, fun to root for, they're fun to follow. It's going to be interesting to track them, you know, and so. It's a lot of interesting storylines, and um, it's a deep group, and it's going to be an unpredictable night, June 22nd. I mean, we're not going to get it right. You know, we're going to try and get it more right than anybody else, but it's, going to, it's a tough one. <laughs> but it's going to be fun. All right, final thing, Draft Express. What do you have coming up in the next 20 days or 16 days that people should be checking out on the site, and why should they be going to Draft Express every day? Uh, we're going to be at the Euro Camp coming up. Um, it will be there until Monday. Uh, we have a ton of content, honestly. Uh, I'm trying to plan it now to say, like, how do we release this, you know, in small doses? But we have so much of it that it's, I think we released, like, six articles or something like that. It's probably going to be like that every day leading up to the draft. Tons of workout videos, interviews, um, you know, a couple of deep dives from, from Schmidt's. Uh, still a bunch of scouting report, you know, guys that we need to that we need to post um, their uh, strengths and weaknesses um, in video format, and also the scouting report in text format. And um, you know, we'll be at the the media day. Um, you know, Schmidt will be at the USA Basketball um, training camp. I'll be in Cairo at the US Under 19 World Championship. So it's um it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. We got we got a lot of stuff coming up. If you're into the draft, I think we're gonna have uh, a lot of content for you. Well, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. I know you're under high demand, and for you to uh, put out a little time for Locked On NBA, I greatly appreciate it. So, so thank you very much for that, and uh, uh, certainly look forward to the Draft Express coverage. And always so impressed by it. And I, I thankfully will not see you in New York this year, as I will not have a lottery pick to cover. Good for you. I'm happy for you, Top <laughs> fans. It's been a long, it's been a long ways, but. Yeah. Dennis Lindsay and his crew are doing an amazing job, and you can see it in the results. And it's probably only going to get better. Jonathan, thanks so much. Best of luck. Keep it up with Draft Express. Thank you. Thanks for having me, David.
It's fall at JCPenney. Time to refresh your closet. This Thursday through Monday, get Levi's lowest prices of the season on 514 straight fit jeans for guys, $36.99. And select Arizona booties for her for $35.99. Plus, save an additional 50% off clearance prices already reduced by 60 to 80%. And get an extra $10 off with your coupon. Hurry in now. JCPenney. Coupon valid 10, 5 to 10, 9. Levi's and other brands excluded from coupon. Clearance selections vary by store while supplies last. Savings off regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. See store or jcp.com for details. Season of first 927 to 1018.